This is the podcast between an old school mentor and a digital mentee on managing and or working with people, navigating a career, growing profits, and not killing your coworkers along the way. Now let's join the consultant, Hayden Shaw, and the millennial who fixes Hayden's iPhone, Seth Tower Heard. Onboarding it is. Okay. <laughs> My name is Seth Tower Heard. He's Hayden Shaw. He's helped over 30,000 managers uh, with a bunch of companies you've heard of and small and medium-sized businesses and nonprofits along the way. Uh, and I am entrepreneur in year one of being in business, leading a small team uh, and uh, syndicated radio host and um, occasional journalist as well. Occasional journalist mm-hmm. as well. Okay. Onboarding. Uh, oh, and before we move on, yes. I just, I didn't told you this. I just got my uh, CSP, Certified Speaking Professional. So that just got, uh, that PR release just went out from the National Speakers Association, or like 56 of us this year. I thought you've been making a living at this for like 20 some years. Though. I have, but I now have an official designation that I am a professional at this. So okay. the uh, only 12% of the professional speakers in the world earn the CSP. Does it come with like a 12% like, um, you know, pin? Or do you guys have like a secret mark? No, it's even better than that. At the annual convention, um, Saturday night when it starts, you all march out, they announce your name, and then you wear a medallion like you, uh, like the Olympics. You wear a medallion. You get to wear the medallion (laughs) the rest of the week so everybody else can go, oh, you're a CSP. Are you kidding? I'm not kidding. So You wear a medallion. I am going, I'm looking forward to wearing a medallion all week long with the cool kids. I, um... Not because of any bitterness, uh, but I threw away all three of my diplomas. Um, I believe I've thrown away all of my triathlon medals and paraphernalia. Um, all virtually all previous, you know, sports memorabilia from high school and college career. Um, I don't know. I just don't I keep still stuff. no. I I still have a box with. Uh, I was in speech team and did really well, and so I gave my kiddos when they were little all of the ribbons, but I still have all the medals. Do you? <laughs> yeah. So obviously I'm one of those geeky kids, but I am very much looking forward to wearing the medal all week. Like, um, one, cool kids. one of the great things about Amanda, uh, and while we work together is, uh, that, uh, one of the great little things, Amanda's is, his wife. Yeah. We, uh, are really good at getting rid of stuff. So we've been kind of spring cleaning <laughs> in preparation to move to a bigger place. Uh, and, uh, man, we are just not sentimental, like boom, 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 garbage bin. Uh, yeah, it's, it's great. You know, we're even down to like, neither one of us really want to own physical books anymore. Um, it just doesn't seem worth it, uh, because then you got to move them and stuff. And so whatever. (laughs) So like my son, every time I go, I come home from a trip, my uh, son who is moving to a job has unhooked my scanner. I got a fancy scanner because he's tearing the spine off of books and turning all of his books into PDFs. Okay, I wouldn't go that far. Yeah, so I bet I, he's probably 25 hours into it. He's probably turned 100 yeah. books into PDFs. Okay, we're, we're going to switch to onboarding, but I, I would say there um, that ebooks are cheap enough, uh, and the odds that I'm going to reread something, get rid of something, and regret well, it. Well, two uh, thirds of the ones that he's doing aren't in ebook. They're okay. not ebooks, yeah. Okay. I, I would say that it's my time would be better spent just working. <laughs> so I have 10 bucks to buy a book when I want it. Uh-huh. Which, as I mentioned, he is he is uh, packing up, um, heading to a job. So yes, he's got time to burn. Okay, so let's go ahead and get into the onboarding process. So uh, you know, Amanda's company uh, that she was working for uh, is no longer a company. Uh, so that came as a pretty big shock in our lives, and um, you know, uh, maybe we'll get into that in a different episode. 
but uh, so they they just close their doors. Yeah. So at least you know at least at the moment, um, you know who knows what um, you know kind of the the job search will bring and stuff like that. But at the moment, um, she's helping me out while she's you know like kind of in this transition phase, uh, and so that means that and they are the classic opposites attract. She really is organized and linear and process driven. They're both creative. You know, she does great artwork and is a designer, but, uh, you know, she's much more linear and Seth is much more. Um, everything is interconnected, so everything leads to everything. So he's kind of the classic, uh, he's kind of the classic um, um, journalist graphics business leader kind of he's a sales guy he's kind of what you would think of in those personality types <laughs> you know what and and i hate him for it because i it takes me a long time to write you know i'll spend 15 hours drafting a chapter and seth will write an article and i and i i wouldn't it, it, it if I didn't think he was a good writer, I wouldn't bring it up on a on a podcast because I would hate to have to lie. But I read Seth's stuff and I'm like, oh, he writes really well. And so I hate Seth because he writes fast and he writes well. And you can only do that if you are one of those creative folks that just can everything ties together in your brain. Well, and you've told me before, you're like, why don't you because you take these episodes and use them for some other stuff you haven't transcribed. I um and you're like, why don't you do that? Because I just like to write because I can just sit down and bang something out and uh, and be happy. Um, okay, we got to do onboarding, man. And plus, we got another episode coming up and we got another guest coming in. So uh, let's go ahead. And Hence the thing. same clothes, because both of our admins are like, you got to change clothes between every episode. And we talked about it four times and are like, yep, no, not doing it. Okay, so here's here's where we're at. Um, you know, so what I am learning is, first of all, actually how much I know. Um, you know, so I have people who are more specialized. So I have coders who are more specialized than I can code. Right. Uh, and some stuff like that. But I didn't realize, honestly, like how many processes I'd built out in the business until I had to go teach somebody else and realize that there really is a pretty complex spider web. Uh, and, you know, right now, whatever, it's just me um, putting in a lot of sweat equity. Um, but, you, you know, you also think about getting to where, you know, it's like I'm, you know, kind of the in the business on the business thing. Um, I don't think that you... You, we talked about that transition from management to leadership. Yeah, um, that's an episode you can you can go back and check out. Um, I think I'm probably going to get there. You know, I forgot to, about that one. That was a good you, one. That was a good one. You can go back and grab that. Uh, <laughs> that's a really good one, actually. I think I'm going to get there. You know, ten to fifteen percent at a time. So, like, you know, each most year, people do. Yeah. Um, you know, well, I'm, no, in corporate America, you just get promoted. And you still get there 10 to 15 percent of the time. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> I just heard this statistic last week. Okay. Um, the average age a person gets promoted. Like thirty-one, the average the first the age the average age of the first management training class you have forty-three. Oh, that's not good. We get there fifteen percent of the time, and then when we haven't screwed it up completely, then they send us to training. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, I didn't even realize the complexity of my business, um, or realize how many steps there were to audio and video editing. Um, website building, email drip campaigns, um, you know, even the sales process of I have a simple CRM and stuff that I use. And I'm like, holy cow, I actually have built a lot of systems in the last year. Um, and so I have had to be more cognizant, I think, of um, like how I'm, you know, onboarding someone, even if it's only for a month or something like that, because of the fact that um, I've never had, you know, so much at stake. Like this is it for me. This is my source of income. 
Uh, and if I screw it up, well, then, um, you know, that ain't fun as where I, you know, when you're more, uh, you know, corporate or, you know, sm- even a medium or small size business, there's some like cushion. One employee does not that. I mean, you can live, you can survive one employee who doesn't know what they're doing yet. Yeah. <laughs> when, when there's, when it's you and three other people. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think we're closing down. <laughs> which we're not by the way yeah, um, yeah despite, that was a whole nother episode yeah the episode where i told hayden i quit we were shutting down the podcast and deleting everything uh after uh, i just had my second best month as a business um you can go back and listen to that one we're, we're being very meta and self-referential here uh but you know you've done so much management training and I, you know i i would say that i have hired uh and or onboarded i mean at least a dozen people and managed over the course of my career uh, full-time and part-time, um, you know, probably getting towards 50 plus, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, being 35, that's probably a, a good number, but it's because I've worked in different settings. You've worked in a lot of different settings. Um, and that's that's kind of how I got the number higher, uh, which is good. And you've hired a lot of contractors in different side hustles you've done through the years too. So yeah. In that, yeah. And, but all of those require onboarding. I think three, I think the most important thing with onboarding is to recognize that you have to do it. Um, survey after survey, employee survey after survey, exit interview after exit interview, people will say they don't get much attention when they start. Uh, I got one client in Kansas City that's a manufacturing, and you know one of the challenges now is that we have one of the lowest unemployments in the United States that we've had in um, history. And so anytime that happens, um, especially in kind of manual jobs, factory jobs that don't take a lot of skill or, you know, um, I was just had some people doing some work in my in my yard yesterday and people who are doing jobs that you can teach fairly quickly. The turnover on those because somebody will go, oh, well, hey, well, I'll offer you this if you'll come over here. And um, you know, they this company, they said, you know, we don't they don't sometimes they don't even greet people when they're brand new because they're like, yeah, they're not going to stay a long time anyway. So they've gone to the place where I'm not even going to acknowledge your existence um, because you probably aren't going to last. I, I might have used this analogy in a previous episode, but uh, you know, I came out of radio and I uh, was around the music industry a good bit, um, which is an industry that could learn a good bit from traditional business. Uh, <laughs> I haven't done a lot with them, but I've done enough to go, yeah, there's... There's a lot of creative people. Yeah, yeah. I, I think and people tend to kind of like live in that space when we talked about, you know, kind of cross-pollinating your career. I'd say that's one of those ones where um, a lot of people would be better at the music industry if they went into uh, banking for three years and came back to it or something. Some people need onboarding on how to drink. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, I, you know, I would say that when I was around a lot of people in the music industry, I would treat it the way I treated um, growing up on a farm and that you knew that some people Pigs, lambs, and calves were going to stick around and have babies, and some of them were going to get eaten in six months. Uh, and so you only maintained emotional connections to some of them, and others you just sort of had a cold detachment. You know, there is some truth to that. Now, um, I just had this conversation with a, a person uh, from Franklin Covey, and uh, who, who's been selling a very successful saleswoman for years. I said, you know, it's funny, 15 years ago, I could just tell who's going to make it and who's not. Mm-hmm. new salespeople. You've done it long enough where you're like, I'm going to be really friendly to you, but I'm not going to overinvest because I really don't think you're going to last longer than six months. And I'd even tell people, oh, wow, you're going to make it. And they'd be like, what? Oh, yeah, you're going to be here. Matter of fact, I just had a call today with a woman who I told her, she goes, this is so different. I don't know how I'm doing. I'm like, you're going to make it. 
I've seen the people who make it, the people who don't. So to Seth's point, it's a little less like eating them, but um, um, that's the place where the farm analogy breaks down. But um, the, the problem with that factory is, you know, the, the head of operations, he's like, we're going to turn over our best people if we don't say hello. We need to make them all feel incredibly welcome so that the best ones stay and the other ones go someplace else. There's a 3% unemployment rate in Kansas City for people in factories, and we can't, we, we, we can't lose anymore. And so the point is, um, onboarding is a lot like the, the, the sign that's in my dentist's office. And it says, you know, you don't have to brush all your teeth, only the ones you want to keep. And so when it comes to onboarding, the same thing applies. Which, which employees should you onboard? The ones you have high hopes in. And um, uh, so that's the first thing is that a, the, one of the biggest complaints is that mo- people say, well, I'm, if, I'm too busy to onboard you because we're dying not having you. So the fact that we don't have you means we're shorthanded and we don't have time to onboard you because we're shorthanded. Let's let's back up. I got a couple things to throw in there. Please. Um, the first thing is, is that I think a lot of, um, a lot of, you know, across the spectrum, small business, family business, corporation, and nonprofit, people hire someone because they haven't worked out a process or don't know what to do in an area of their responsibility. And they think they can throw it at someone who they pay and it just never works. Okay. All right. I'm sorry. This is so huge. Um, when organizations have money, either because they are growing and they got cash or because it is an organization where there's an owner that doesn't have to report to a board and then they can dip into savings, what they'll do. Organizations frequently solve process problems with cash by buying people. It's how they get overstocked. They don't have a good process. They don't have good performance standards. They don't have good um, uh, uh, behavioral standards. They don't know what people need to be doing. So they'll go buy more of them. And then they buy more people who learn from the people who are underperforming what the performance standards are. And they can get a fat payroll in about two years and literally go under that way. Yeah. Well, and that's, and I'm going to go back to the onboarding thing, but that's um, something that I, I've looked at is um, people. Are Don't like, put people what our process ought to be. Yeah. Uh, well, why aren't you trying to grow like crazy? Why aren't you trying to do that, you know, million percent uh, from year one to year two thing? And well, first of all, I want to grow as much as I can. But second of all, um, businesses die when they run out of cash. People think of businesses dying when they're out of customers, a la Sears or Kmart, right? Businesses die when they run out of cash, which means that you can grow and complicate your way out of business. You can say yes to too many things you're not ready for yet, and then you spend money trying to catch up, and then all of a sudden, there's nothing in the bank account, and farewell. Yeah, so I was just working with a a division of a big four accounting firm that helps restructure companies that are toast. And um, that's, you know, that's one of the things they actually advertise on their website is we will, we will help you with cash flow management. Because the reason you have to be restructured is you haven't been paying attention to cash. You've been paying attention to growth. You haven't been paying attention to cash. And so one of the absolute best ways to do that is to go hire somebody where there ought to be a process. And um, if a process can fix it, then uh, figure out the process first and then hire somebody. If, a, if, a, if you don't know how to figure out the process, that's frankly what consultants are for. Hire a consultant to figure out the process. And by the way, I've never talked about consultants, but after doing it for uh, decades, um, quick bit of advice, if you're gonna hire a consultant, hire a consultant that doesn't have a scheme. 
There's a lot of consultants out there that are like, I do this one thing. I go in, I go find people who I can convince have this problem, and I go sell them this scheme, this thing. And, um, and they can't adjust it. They can't adapt it. They can't understand your business. They can't make it work for your business. They sell you the thing they do, and then you're supposed to make it fit. And um, I've seen a lot of people, especially small businesses, get told, oh, yeah, we can really help you. And then they're given a, a thing and they do nothing with it. I don't even know where to start on this. So whatever you do, find somebody who can adjust what they do to your business. And then secondly, if you don't like them, you're not going to work with them. Um, we all know that from a doctor. We go to a doctor and we're like, I just don't like that doctor. Then the doctor says, well, hey, you need to lose some weight. You need to change the way you're doing this or that. And we're like, yeah, whatever. I <laughs> and we don't do it. And so we, we die young because we don't like the personality of our doctor. and We won't listen to them. So if you don't like the consultant, don't hire the consultant. Anyway, if you need a process, don't hire. Uh, sometimes it works to hire the employee who will write the process. But what will typically happen is the person will write the process to the way they like to do it. And then it makes it hard to hire somebody else for that position. A consultant will find you a process that will work regardless of the person. And Peter Drucker years ago said it this way. Don't build, don't build job descriptions around people. Build job descriptions around work so that you can find somebody to replace that person. And then you don't feel like you're in a hostage situation where if we are ever to lose this person, what would we do? Well, that's where you know you have a job description. You have a process written around a person. Sorry for that digression. But no. when it comes to onboarding, that's a big piece. And let me let me say one more thing in there um, about when I've been onboarded poorly. And I don't actually think it mattered in either one of these jobs, kind of how it went, right? Uh, but one, I, um, I mean, just wasn't the guy's fault. He hired me. His dad died um, the day before I started. No way. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and you know, so really nothing the, you do about it. Well, the only time, the second time I saw him after, um, you know, after the interview was I went ahead and went to the visitation because I, I thought that was appropriate. Um, and, you know, and so, well, no, actually he, he was, unfortunately when I could start, I was finishing up teaching a college course kind of on the interim when I could start, uh, he was on vacation, which he'd planned for six months, which is fine. His dad died on vacation. Um, and then, so there was like, you know, there was a week and a half of vacation or a week of vacation and then like another week of, you know, family stuff. And that's totally understandable. Um, that was a really rough start. Uh, another time, um, you know, I kind of jumped in and uh, I was in a meeting hour one, um, day one with other managers uh, being asked um, my thoughts on things. I didn't even understand the terminology of the business yet. Um, and you know, that makes you go, oh, and what kept me there both times, not most people aren't maybe going to do this. What kept me there both times was um, I just thought I don't want to have a blip on my resume where I was only somewhere for two months or something right, like that. Right. And so um, not everybody's going to do that. though. No, no, no. Listen, listen to what Seth just said. I seriously thought about leaving because I wasn't onboarded well. Okay. One of the great examples, I think one of the best practices in onboarding for those of you in larger organizations is to talk with your people about how we welcome new people. Now, it could have been that the peers were asking you those questions because they wanted to invite you into the conversation. More likely, they were asking you those questions because they wanted to show the new guy you don't know what you're talking about, so you need to shut up and let us run things. And so 
um, both, it could go both ways. My colleague, Judy Hendricks, she worked at um, um, Southwestern Bell back when, you know, 150,000 people. And so she said, we had this onboarding practice where whenever we hired a new employee, we would invite, we would cook breakfast for them hang a big banner that welcomes them, fix them breakfast. We'd A whole team would eat breakfast together and we would all go around and introduce ourselves and tell them what projects we were working on. And we would say, hey, I've got a project where we need a new, a fresh set of eyes. Would you be able to meet with me in the next two weeks to listen to what I'm doing and give me some ideas? That was a great way. I, I, who wouldn't want to be welcomed like that? Mm-hmm. You'd be like, really? I think I want to stay here forever. She had one of the highest cultural surveys in the history of the, of the place. And part of it is if, if, if you teach your team to welcome people like that, then the onboarding process is going to be crazy. Good. Even if you're on vacation and one of your parents dies. Wow. Uh, I think that uh, I'm actually going to go back to John Wooden here. He was, uh, if you're not familiar with him, um, I would consider his book. Uh, they call me coach to be one of the, business classics of all time even though it's not sort of like i was thinking just uh, just today that we ought to do an episode where uh, we talk about the best business books and we even invite people to uh, to come on and talk about the best business book they, that's influenced them most. That would okay. be a great idea. Let's do that idea. one over Skype and just kind of have multiples. That would be very cool. Uh, so I would say that the, They Call Me Coach and The Art of War are two books that I've read a whole bunch of times. Okay. Um, and, and not that I'm <laughs> going to coach. Two completely different books. Not, yeah, not that I'm going to coach college basketball or invade <laughs> another nation. Uh, but, you know. One of the things that's um, that John Wooden, uh, who won 10 national championships in 12 years, um, his college team, UCLA, went two and a half years without losing a game, including the national championship. Still I mean, still considered, ESPN called him the greatest coach of all time. Uh, I can't even think of another run in sports that's like that, period, <laughs> in anything. Uh, and, uh, you know, what he said was he often spent more time planning practice than he actually than the actual practice took right um and there was not a wasted dribble and you know he drove the freshman nuts because uh, this is back in the days of thank god i didn't play in this era uh but the days of the converse all-star you know high tops right. which had no padding right. um and right. uh pretty much just ripped the skin off of your feet right and um he hit day one practice one yes how to put on your socks and they would get so mad and he'd be like nope do it again Nope. Do it again. Because if you didn't have your socks on properly, you got a blister. Blisters are actually the number one sidelining injury in high school and college basketball. Uh, and so he knew he was keeping his players on the court. And, and Wooden's strategy was to play the best player, have the best condition team so he could play his best five players longer, 10 minutes longer than his competition, because he knew his best players could outscore their second players they were substituting in and so you can't have your best five on the floor if they're coming out because they can't put their shoes on right because nobody taught them yes uh and so that's i don't know that i've always done it right i don't know how great i've done it. i actually thought about trying to grab a former employee and it just didn't work out logistically just be like what was your experience like uh but at least if you're thinking about it like that it's going to be a completely different um you know process for the person coming in Uh, As opposed to if you're like, oh my gosh, well, I'm just so underwater. You need to think that your productivity is going to be shot for a few weeks uh, and it's going to be totally worth it. Sorry, we just switched basketball. That would be three points from it. It would be uh, in the all net. It'll be totally worth it. And I would say if you're at least thinking like the John Wooden method and you screw it up, 
if, if you get 40% of the way there, it's still a million percent better than throwing something, you know, throwing the credit card at the new person and saying, well, go out to lunch with some people and talk to them and figure the job out. Uh, nothing says, I think I made the wrong decision. Like um, the welcome of, hey, I'm really busy. I can't do anything with you right now. We've made no other arrangements. Yeah. So that's why large companies eventually go, oh, we better have an onboarding process. Um, and so you said it really well. Most important thing you have to realize is when you hire a new person, you will get less done. Not only will you get less done because you're carrying their load and your load often, not only will you get less done than you were, you'll get less done because you're having to them to show them the job. And if you do it well, they will be loyal and like working here. If you don't do it well, they'll be talking about it in exit interviews. It really comes down to that. Do you want to have a great situation or not? If you simply can't do it because your best client calls and you have to go on a business trip, um, you do one of two things. You say, you know what, don't start. We'll pay you, but don't start until I get back. We will pay you to stay home. Matter of fact, have some great days off. Or you say, we are going to give you some things to do. Um, here's five competitive websites we need you to study. We need you to go through our website and we need you to go mess around with our, matter of fact, I need you to go visit a couple of clients and watch our product in action. There are some things you can do to give them education. They say, I'm sorry, I've got to go out to this client. And so here's uh, my suggestions on what you do with your time. If you have some better ideas of what will help you get up to speed and better oriented to what we're doing, happy to have you do that. Just submit them to me. And we got to land the plane here in just a couple of minutes. So let me go down this road. I would say that, um, and maybe I am, you know, I think I've had a lower view of myself as a, a professional sometimes on this podcast than I needed to. Like, I, I think I've thought I was worse at some things. And I occasionally well, I will say to him, I understand as the consultant and the millennial, but you're not as bad as you make yourself out to be. Uh, so, you know, one of the things I've consistently heard from um, particularly graphic designers and coders as I use different team members to do websites right? uh, is they really, really appreciate how thorough I am in getting them set up on the jobs. Um, they actually that's. I think that's a, a solid compliment that I, I want to accept where I'm bound to miss on something like that is going off um, on some kind of rabbit trail of, Oh, we can add this new product. I can do this thing. And I can't, I, I mean, for the next you know, three to five years, I just need to camp out on the three products we offer. Uh, okay. Here's the problem. You can't onboard on processes. If you constantly are creative type folks, can will we'll often go, oh, what about that? What about that? What about that? The challenge is you can't get your whole team coming behind you. You yeah. can have great ideas, but you can't execute on them if you can't get your whole team onboarded to that new idea. And that, my friends, is change management, and that's an onboarding process of its own. You have to onboard people to the change. Four things that have to be in any good onboarding process. Number one, there has to be a clear, we are glad you're here, welcome has to be a conversation around here are my strengths and weaknesses as a leader. Um, had a senior partner in one of the big four consulting firms I was working with this week. He said right up front, I, because he was, he was in a class I was teaching to, you know, show support from the partners as well as to make it applicable to the work. These, you know, senior, senior people were going, 
the new management role they're going into. And he said it this way. He goes, you know, I am not the casebook of relational. I'm, I, I do great analysis. I do brilliant work, but I kind of run out of energy with people. So I get, you know, my family, my boss tells me I need to be more relational. And the thing is, what was great about it is he said, you know, there's a lot of ways to succeed at this. And I just tell the people I work with, here are my strengths, here are my weaknesses. That has to happen in the onboarding process. Thirdly, um, I was uh, working with Merck. And uh, they did an onboarding process in the morning and I started a session on team building in the afternoon and I got to watch um, what, is, what, is, what I learned later. I was new in my career. It's a fairly standard onboarding process for a new manager. Somebody comes in and goes, tell me about your strengths, tell me about your weaknesses, tell me about your work history, and tell me your values. Those are all things people need to know. Um, thirdly, what are the values and the mission of the organization? And then lastly, um, what's the job description? What are the deliverables? the desired results you want out of the job description. And lastly, what's my success path over the next month to two? You help somebody with those four things, you've got an onboarding process that works. Oh yeah, you ought to give them the handbook if your organization's big enough to have it. And um, they probably won't read it, but they'll sign the statement that they did, even if it's a religious nonprofit organization. So they'll tell a little white lie about the handbook and then you're you're uh, locked and ready and legal. Let me... Um let me land on something here. I think that a lot of, uh, cause I've kind of, I, I, I made fun of, uh, you know, millennial startups uh, in the last episode without even thinking I was an all millennial startup. <laughs> but you know, I think that a lot of times, um, you know, as an elder millennial, I think that we've been burned by cheesy conferences and, you know, silly, um, team building. Exercises. Hey, I've spoken at those cheesy conferences. You back off. <laughs> and so I think what happens is that we go completely the other way um, that says, you know, um, we're going to have a ping pong table and a Segway uh, and a latte machine, and we're not going to do any of that other stuff. We're going to throw it out with the three-piece suits, the, th the pinstripe suits, right? Oh, that's and, well said. Yeah. yeah and, and, you know, they're... I mean, certainly, um, you know, I only do a suit when I'm going in front of a lawyer because I, I do a decent amount of well, when I do marketing work for lawyers, not when I've committed a crime and I'm going to court. <laughs> when Seth is once again deposed for. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I, I don't do a suit a whole lot. Uh, maybe I'll have honestly, clients. honestly, your honor, it was just manslaughter. <laughs> so. The you know, the moral of the story is, I mean, certainly there are some sacred. The cows. moral of the story is don't murder anyone so you don't have to wear a suit. Yes. That's really what he's trying to get at, ladies and gents. There are some sacred cows that, that need to be slaughtered. There's also stuff that just needs to have be done better than you actually had it done for you. Done. He's Aiden Shaw. You can check out more at PeopleDrivenResults.com. If you are just in just a, a Gordian knot of people or process issues you cannot work out, um, I have seen it in uh, multiple companies that I've been with. Uh, I, actually, Hayden's come in and consulted and spoken. Uh, at two different companies I've been with. That's actually initially how we kind of got to know that each other, we were in our each other's atmosphere or whatever. My name is Seth Towerherd. Uh, you can, uh, by the way, get his information at PeopleDrivenResults.com. There's a video series there that's fantastic. You can go grab that now. Uh, and I do three products that I need to not expand beyond, as <laughs> I just said. Um, I lead a team that builds websites that actually make money for companies. We do successful social media management to get you more customers and uh, connect with the ones you have. And uh, we also do podcasting like this one. We can go from idea to reaching thousands within three months. You can find out more at digitalprofitfarm.com.